Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Chris Gordy of Sports Talk 790 down there in Houston, as well as the Locked On SEC podcast. And Gordy, appreciate you joining us. It's a wild time in college football. There's no doubt about it. Uh, it is, John. And um, yeah, I mean, look, I'll just put it out there. I mean, I will, I will walk off into the sunset and leave my job tomorrow if someone wants to pay me seventy-six million to go away. <laughs> so I just want to put that out there. I don't know if my bosses are listening, but I can be bought out. Uh, it's out there. Yeah, I mean, that was something I feel like most people probably felt like was going to come at some point in time. Uh, speaking of Jimbo Fisher, but I was also uh, looking at uh, a story about it too, and just seeing the uh, buyout. And, and the money that uh, Jimbo is going to be having, where it's like over the next few years, it's you know it's paid out a certain way. I think he gets like was it nineteen million dollars within the first sixty days, you know something extreme. So listen, I'm sure you would rather have uh, had success, but you know getting fired and you know living the rest of your life having seventy plus million dollars in your pocket's not the worst way to go out either. Yeah, and I think they said something like it. he gets seven or eight billion every year through twenty thirty one. I mean that is. That is just insanity. Um, In fact, if I'm Jimbo Fisher, it's it's unceremonious how this is ending, but, like, I'd almost feel bad if I were him. Like, I'd go to them and go, look, just just give me 60 and we'll call it even. You guys keep the other 17 billion. Like, it's it's absolutely preposterous. And even Darren Revelle pointed out the fact that, like, most most contracts have a deal in there that where, like, if you get a new job, we don't have to pay you the full buyout. Um, you know, for, for instance, Zach Arnett has that. Like, the buyout was $4 million, but if Zach Arnett signs on as a D.C. somewhere next season, like, let's just say LSU hires him, um, they only have to pay him, like, half. So, like, they get out of that. So, the fact that it's all fully guaranteed no matter what, that Jimbo Fish could go be the head coach at West Virginia next year, and A&M is still on the hook for the full buyout, is absolute insanity. Whoever drew up that contract, I mean, God bless, but you've just crippled the A&M athletic program. Think about this, like, what if Buzz Williams has a really good year at A&M? And they just go to the front, you know, the athletic office and goes, hey, I think my guy needs a raise. They're going to go, um, look, times are tough. We really can't afford it. So can Buzz just stay on the current deal? Like, uh, if they could hire anybody to work in the athletic department, I got to think, like, you know, if you were making 60000 a year to work as a, as a communications person for uh, A&M, I got to think the next person is going to make, like, 20000 Like, they're going to have to start trimming – in every area they can in terms of the money they spend because of they're just going to have to spread it out on how they pay this buyout. It's absolute insanity. Chris, it's a coincidence, but how is it that Jimbo Fisher and Zach Arnett get each other fired? They just played a game <laughs> against one another, and then the way the timing works out, they end up getting each other fired. Well, I think it's very different. I think I, I've been hearing for weeks that Mississippi State was leaning towards Hey, this you know we were in a tough spot when when Mike Leach passed away a little you know a little less than a year ago, and it just seemed like the best thing to keep continuity in the program going was to promote Zach Arnett from DC to head coach, and it got them through through a tough time. And you know, it was a chance it could have worked. Like you know, there was some thoughts that Zach Arnett was highly thought of in coaching circles. He was eventually going to get a shot at, at a head job eventually. It just he wasn't ready for it yet. And we saw that this year. The offense was just uh, atrocious. Uh, I thought his biggest mistake was bringing in Kevin Barbe. I mean, you should have just kept the same system in play. Like, I get it. Maybe not too many people run the Mike Leach uh, air raid offense, but go find somebody who runs the air raid and, and can keep all the terminology and everything the same with Will Rogers and everybody else that they had back. I mean, this is an offense there. Will Rogers, Tulu Griffin, uh, you know, the 
Woody Marks to running back. I mean, you know, weapons all over. And this offense couldn't do jack. I mean, they scored, what was it, you know, the seven points against Arkansas, 13 against Auburn, three against Kentucky, and 10 against A&M. That, that's where the problem was. I mean, the defense was okay at times. They weren't great, but uh, the offense was just atrocious. And so, you know, it, it was kind of thought they put the – they put in his contract, Zechernet, like that we could get out of this, you know, very relatively easily if it doesn't work out. So I think they just decided to pull the plug. And here's the thing, guys. I tweeted this out this morning. Everybody's on a clock right now. With Texas and Oklahoma coming to the SEC, everyone is on red alert uh, that knows this thing is going to get a lot tougher starting next year. Schedule, the SEC brutal schedule is getting that much tougher. Are we prepared? You know, this is like going to war. Like, are you ready? Are you prepared? Do you have everything in your arsenal to go into this battle starting next year. And I think A&M looked around and went, my God, we got to play Sarkeesian in Texas next year. We're going to get our ass beat with Jimbo Fisher. we got to make a change. Mississippi State's looking at it and going, you know, we still got to play Lane Kiffin and, and Ole Miss in the Egg Bowl. We, you know, we got to add Texas and Oklahoma. Like, we ain't going to get it done with Zach Arnett. we got to make a change. And I think that's where Arkansas finds themselves as well right now is as much as everybody loves Sam Pittman, the person, I think everybody's looking at it and going, God, are we just going to get our ass beat next year with, with Texas and Oklahoma coming in and, and finish at the bottom of the SEC again, or should we make a change? Well, Gordy, I will say that at least if our show is any indication, pretty much every Razorback fan that has been you know rooting for Sam Pittman or hoping the season would get turned around, they're kind of jumping ship pretty quickly. Uh, it seems like everybody, for the most part, is over Sam Pittman now, and you know especially after that terrible look on Saturday. So what do you make of the situation Sam Pittman finds himself in and also the future of Razorback football? Do you think that he stays on? Do you think your check makes a move? Just well, what do you think of the, the next few weeks and what it will hold for Arkansas Razorback football and Sam Pittman? Well, my, my biggest fear when they hire Pittman, and I said this from the get-go, and, it, and, it doesn't, and it's not a sign of disrespect, but I, I said, you know, Sam Pittman was basically Coach O at, at LSU, a great motivator, a great, uh, a great recruiter, a guy that when he talks to the team, he's going to inspire those guys. They want to go, you know, they love him. They want to go play for him and all that. But Coach O was only as good as his coordinators. And, and it's kind of become that way with Sam Pittman. You're only as good as as, as good as your coordinators are. We saw already uh, they crashed and burned with the Dan Eno tire. You know, Kendall Browse and, and Barry Odom out of the gates were pretty successful. And it was going well until it wasn't. But, you know, ultimately there were just some coaches where, you know, what do you specialize in? Uh, you know, I always thought Sam Pittman being a head coach was always going to have a dominant offensive line. It's just going to push guys around. And, you know, if anything, you know they're going to win that line of scrimmage every week. And we've not seen that in the Sam Pittman era. And it's just weird to see because they've recruited well. There's some good good players on those offensive lines. But they just have not dominated like I thought they would. And so, yeah, I, I just, you know, the, the thought is if you're going into next year with him, you have got to hit a home run higher on whoever that OC is. And how quickly can they hit the ground running? Um, and, and, you know, people I've talked to have said maybe Arkansas is leaning the other way, saying maybe we do have to part ways. And maybe we'll just, you know, out of a gentleman's agreement, we'll, we'll go through the end of the season with Sam Pitt and let him finish the year, but ultimately, uh, you know, make a move when the season ends. I mean, the name that, that keeps coming up hotter than hot, Red Fire, is out of UTSA, is Jeff Trailer. And obviously he was, you know, Arkansas running backs coach for a couple of years, and he is a guy that every high school coach in the state of Texas knows and adores. And he is one of those guys that everybody thinks he can, you know, if he gets a big-time job, he is going to recruit like crazy. And if you ever had a chance to talk to Jeff Trail, I did uh, the end of last year at the Bear Bryant Awards. 
that guy is a charmer, man. I mean, you talk to him, he is just old school, uh, throwback coach. Like, he doesn't care about the money. He does this because he loves football. And, and he's an old school football coach that way. But, you know, that, that's a guy I look at that, you know, I get it. It's not the sexiest name if you're an Arkansas fan. Well, we're going to go hire the UTSA coach. But look at what he's done there in just three years. I mean, 37 and 13 at a, at a program that is, is just kind of whatever. It's, it's, you know, it's Conference USA or AAC, I guess they are now this year. But um, I think Jeff Trailer would be an awesome fit there for Arkansas. I don't know. If, you know, I don't know if the ticket office, if the, the phone is ringing off the hook for season ticket renewals if, it, if they hire him. But I, I think it would be fascinating to see what he would be able to do in a program like Arkansas. But, again, I, I don't want to bury Sam Pittman yet because they still got to finish the year. But just looking on the surface, if Mississippi State's pulling the plug and A&M's pulling the plug, which you don't want to be as Arkansas sitting around next year saying, man, we missed on this OC hire. And, again, you know, Sam Pittman sitting there as a lame duck coach. When you make moves like this with two games left in the season, you want to get a jump on the process. So where does A&M start as far as list of names and what you're hearing that they're leaning towards uh, when they're getting that list together? Well, that was there was one internet rumor out there that said maybe that, that they liked Jeff Treadler a lot too at A&M and wanted to interview him and that the fear was maybe Arkansas might come get him. And so they were, uh, you know, the thought was, you know, let's fire our guy first so we can get a head start. I don't know if I buy that or not. But, I mean, the, the easy name that's out there is Mike Elko from Duke. I mean, he's a guy who's done a great job there in just two years and, you know, was the defense coordinator there at A&M and did a really good job. That 2020 season, they had the ninth best defense in the country under Mike Elko. Uh, again, I don't know if people are running to the ticket office to go buy season tickets with head coach Mike Elko at A&M, but he's a guy who I think would do a good job there and would get them back to at least playing fundament- fundamentally sound football. And, uh, you know, whoever the offensive coordinator is, again, it would be a big, big hire on who that guy would be. But I think it starts with Mike Elko. I, in all honesty, guys, if any of them really wanted to make a splash higher, I'd call Lane Kiffin. I know he would take it because I've been saying this for years. Lane Kiffin has hit his ceiling at Ole Miss. Like, 10-2 and two is the best you can do at Ole Miss. You're never going to beat Georgia. It's going to be tougher to never beat Alabama. Most years they're going to use to lose to LSU and Auburn or A&M. Like, he's just – I think this is the best he could do. And if you heard Lane after the loss the other night to Georgia, he said as much. He said – I mean, we got one five-star on our team. They had 24. Like, he's straight up telling you, it's recruiting. That's why we lost to Jordan. We, we can't recruit at a high level. You know who does recruit at a high level? Texas A&M. They have five stars all over the place. So, uh, look, A&M has got all the resources in the world. They just need a coach who can come in and coach well and, and call good football games. And that's what Lane Kiffin does. So, in my mind, look, I know it's like water and, and oil or whatever mixing together. But I think Lane Kiffin would actually be a really good hire for A&M and would actually do a really good job there. I think he would win. But I saw guys like Billy Lucci putting out there, oh, that ain't happening. We could put an end on that. Well, okay, A&M, if you're so, you know, you think you're so high and mighty and you're above a Lane Kiffin, then go ahead and hire your Mike Elko and let's see how he does. It's just, it's crazy to me how highly A&M thinks of themselves when you've never won a, you've never won a championship. I mean, since you've been in the SEC over a decade, you never even won the SEC West, so it's uh, it's just going to be fascinating. But again, I, I would start with Urban Meyer. I, you know, make him tell me no. I called Deion Sanders just to you know just to do my due diligence. But Lane Kiffin is absolutely who I would be looking at from A and M. But I have, I think they have no interest in looking at. Speaking with Chris Gordy of Sports Talk Seven Ninety and the Locked On SEC podcast here on Out of Bounds. 
So, Gordy, I, I'm curious because the thing about A&M is I agree with everything you said. I mean, they got facilities. They got money out the wazoo. They got – they're in Texas. I mean, they got so many things going for them, especially on the football side of things. Why has it never worked out with really anyone at A&M? I mean, they've had some good years here and there, and they've had some good runs. You know, you think about the Johnny Manziel and, and everything, but why is it that A&M seems to be really the only school that has pretty much every amenity – that you could possibly have to be successful at college football, but it's just never really been successful at college football? Well, it's coaching. I mean, I thought I thought Kevin Sumlin actually did a pretty good job there, all things considered. Obviously, the Mantell years were great, but what was the big gripe those years? It was defense. They couldn't get stops when they needed them. You know, the losses to LSU and to Alabama and some of those big games they played, they couldn't get the job done. So they would start 7-0 and and then, you know, finish 8-4, and and everybody's looking back on what happened. Uh, ever since Jimbo came in, the defenses have got prog- gotten progressively better over the years. In fact, this year, I think this is one of A&M's best defensive fronts they've had. Uh, problem has been in the secondary. They haven't been able to defend the, the pass very well. But lo and behold, they've had the offensive issues this year where, you know, Max Johnson, he's a fine backup, but he ain't getting it done as a starter. If you got to, you know, when Connor Wegman went down, they had to start and Max Johnson for so many games and he just wasn't going to get it done. And, Look at, you know, their three SEC losses uh, this season for A&M were all by one score. I mean, you lost Alabama by one score. You lost Tennessee by one score. You lost Ole Miss by a field goal. So they were close, but it's, it's like they're always just missing that special ingredient. And the, the crazy thing is the Connor Wegman injury, how much that hurt A&M. Like, go back and look. Connor Wegman was actually playing at a really high level to start this year. He's a former five-star quarterback, started last year as a true freshman. I can make a case, and I'm sure Jimbo maybe made this case, if Connor Wegman doesn't get hurt, A&M might go 10-2 this year. Like, they might be sitting there right now with, you know, the loss to Miami and maybe one SEC loss, but they might have beaten Baltimore, Tennessee. They probably would have beaten Ole Miss with Connor Wegman. So, they're close, uh, but to me, it always comes back to coaching. It's like, it just feels like years where the offense is really good, the defense is down. And years where the defense is really good, the offense isn't as good. So, they just gotta find somebody to get in there and, and make it all click at the same time. So, Chris, and saying all that, then um, you know, going into this, it was all, almost thought that Jimbo would get a pass because of the fact that Connor Wegman got hurt. But you know, they didn't just look at what happened during this season; they looked at the complete body of work, which they should. But you know, seeing the circumstances of what happened with this season, then uh, when Connor Wegman got hurt, there were many that were thinking okay, this is kind of a saving grace for Jimbo, and he'll at least get another year, but it just didn't work out like that. Yeah, what's crazy is my, my buddy Brent Zwarderman, who writes for the Houston Chronicle, he's, he's the one uh, years ago at SEC Media Days, he broke the story that Texas and Oklahoma were coming to the SEC. He was, he was the first one to break that, and then all hell broke loose. So I give Brent a lot of credit. He's really good at what he does. He wrote a piece literally a week ago, I think it was last Tuesday, that said, from what he was hearing last Tuesday was that Jimbo Fisher was going to get another year. And, you know, that, that was, you know, that changed very quickly. And, and, you know, what changed in a week, especially a week where they score 51 points and beat Mississippi State 51 to 10. Um, I think some of those higher ups just kept looking at it and what, and, and I hate to say this, but it's big brother, little brother, brother, sibling rivalry. What Texas is doing this year, put the pressure on A&M. They fancy themselves that they are better than Texas. They think, you know, that's why they came to the SEC a decade ago, was to get away from Texas and go try to win the SEC. And they've made a lot more money uh, being in the SEC than, you know, 
Texas got from the Big 12. Now, Texas got a lot more revenue from the Longhorn Network and all that kind of stuff. But uh, I think the pressure was on them seeing Stark sitting there, what is he, 9 and 1, with a, you know, beating Alabama this year, that uh, they don't want to get their ass beat next year by, by Texas and, and Steve Sarkeesian. And so I think that is what ultimately led to them making this move. Now, there was, again, internet rumors. I love to hear this stuff. There was a rumor out there that said, they told Jimbo this past week against Mississippi State, Bobby Petrino's running all the plays, he's calling all the offense, and you're you're not tinkering one bit, and that they went out and scored 51 points at their best offensive showing of the year, and basically that was the straw that broke the camel's back. And they said to Jimbo, you're done. See ya. You're, you're what's been holding back this team. I don't know if that's true, but I like to believe it. I think that's really funny. If, if finally, when Jimbo stopped tinkering, that's when the offense really looked good and took off. So, uh Again, I think it's all those things combined, but I think ultimately with Texas coming in, they do not want to play second fiddle to the Longhorns, and they, they can't bear losing to them next year. Keep in mind, they they uh, complained and complained until they got their way, and they're hosting that Texas game in College Station next year. Uh, they want to beat them with everything in their fabric next year. Well, Gordy, before we let you go, man, just out of curiosity, you see two jobs opening up in the SEC. I think Arkansas is definitely one of those that has potential to be open up in the SEC uh, do you see any more uh, possibly uh, opening up or anything like that as far as not just the SEC but in major college football? Just how do you think the coaching carousel may uh, transpire here over the next few days? Well, I'll stick with the SEC. Billy Napier giving up 700 yards of offense to LSU. That was an SEC single-game record. And by the way, James Daniels, I don't know if he'll win the Heisman, but he better have a damn seat in New York after all this because it ain't his fault. His, his defense is ridiculously awful under that house. But – uh, if Billy Napier gets embarrassed at Missouri and embarrassed by Florida State to finish out the season, if Florida goes from five and two to five and seven, I think there very well could be discussion of a buyout there in Florida. I know they've got a top five recruiting class next year, but if they finish on a five game losing streak, they're probably going to lose a bunch of those kids decommitting anyway. So Billy Napier's one to watch at Florida. Uh, I would have already pulled the plug on Clark Lee at Vanderbilt. I mean, yes, they took a step forward last year, beating Tennessee and Florida or, or Kentucky and Florida. But this year they're taking a huge step back. They started 2-0. They've lost nine in a row. They're 2-9. and nine. Their offense has been abysmal. I would pull the plug on, on Clark Lee. And then watch Shane Beamer at South Carolina. I know those fans loved him. You know He's been recruiting well and all this. But uh, I don't know, man. That season is going sideways. They're at 4-6. and six. They have to beat Kentucky and Clemson just to get to a bowl game. Uh, wouldn't shock me if they got the wandering eye and said, eh, maybe we go elsewhere here. I don't think it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen, but – Certainly something to keep an eye on. And then, of course, Arkansas, like you guys said. Well, Gordy, man, we always appreciate you joining us. Also, congrats to another uh, big Texans win, man, over the weekend. Five and four. How about the Houston Texans coming up big? Yeah, go ahead and give C.J. Stroud the offensive rookie of the year. I mean, it's uh, it's not even a competition anymore. I, I, look, I'm a Bengals fan. I, I root for Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and those guys. But th- he made them look stupid yesterday. So, uh, look, man, Texans, are, they're probably going to win this division. They play the Jaguars in two weeks. That's a monster game. If they can beat the Jags, they will control their own destiny and win in the AFC South. And that's just insanity. Yeah, it is insanity. But it's going to be a lot of fun here in the next few weeks. Have a great one, Gordy, man. We appreciate it. We'll catch up with you soon, okay? All right, future Arkansas head coach Jeff Trailer, Mark